Good morning. Welcome to the Mr. Elephant Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Montrum. It's Monday, December 16th, the day after the Redskins' 37-27 loss to the Eagles. But who's counting anymore? It's the Urban Meyer to my Alex Smith, Matt Terrell. Hey, Matt. Hey, Jamie. How are you? I'm good. That one didn't make much sense, well, I, but it was notable that Urban Meyer, that's perhaps the most notable thing about yesterday. It makes game. especially little sense as, uh, check me if I'm wrong, but I think we have literally never sat next to each other for a football game. No, we've, we've sat next to, uh, oh no, there was that one game we tailgated yeah, together. Very briefly, uh, but we didn't sit together. I think we have never actually watched a football game together. Yeah. Well, uh, Let's come back to the Urban Meyer thing, because uh, there was a game that was played. There was an outcome. Uh, the most notable thing about the game itself to me was that this is the first time all season where I looked at the box score, like the Redskins, you know, passing, rushing, receiving statistics specifically, and did not ask myself, what the fuck is this? <laughs> because it was like a normal box score. Well, it was. It was actually a pretty good box score. At what point does that become a concern? <laughs> at what point does it become a concern that they're producing at a at a league average level? Yes, they've they've gotten visibly better with each game. Um, the uh, you know rookie quarterback seems to be really improving and thriving under the current structure. Uh, the draft picks this year, presumably selected at least in part by Bruce Allen, have been. Uh, impressing across the board and getting better. At what point do you reasonably look at this and say, "Hey, man, let's let's keep everything intact and go ahead"? Well, I see I see where you're going with that, but I do think it's comical how much like earnest praise or at least like complimentary criticism is being paid to Haskins for what has clearly been his best performance as a rookie, but it was still like not an amazing performance, like. It was good. It was, you know, that that's what you would hope for on a consistent basis. But his performances before this were so bad, it just makes this one seem that Which much is, makes it even more baffling that they were determined to leave him on the bench. Because I think that he was going to have this on-field learning curve, regardless of how many mental reps he took. I think he just seems like a guy who learns by doing and not by watching just based on you know our casual viewing of him and uh it it makes no sense that it took them that many games to get him started learning these things and this is what i'm talking about he was 19 for 28 261 yards two touchdowns like that is very like basic decent quarterback modern nfl nothing spectacular he's He's, he didn't put up probably like the top 10 fantasy point total for quarterbacks yesterday. It's probably in that mid tier. Uh, and that is a like completely out of step with his performances to date. Like it's, you know, way above and B out of step with the Redskins quarterback play really all season long. I mean, to see over 200 yards passing in a game is, is really special. It really is, except that it came against the Eagles uh, pass defense, which has been bad since week one when Case Keenum lit them up for a half and made it look like this might be a fun season. Um, oh, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. That was amazing. So I don't know. I'm, 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 you know, I'm being a little glib about it. I was, I was, it sounds like I was more relieved than you were because Showing improvement every game to me is the biggest deal, regardless of what level he hits. I don't, as long as he's getting better, 
and learning from the mistakes and not making the same mistakes twice. Um, I'm, I'm pretty okay with yeah. that. I don't well, know. It, was, it was really positive. I mean, for him to, 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 you know, have a quality performance for once was really positive for, for the team itself. I mean, to, to push Philly to the brink when Philly's playing for its playoff life is encouraging and that they lost and didn't fuck up their draft position is also good. Plus, uh, to have a really strong Eagles contingent, you know, representing at FedEx Field and embarrassing the Redskins, also good. I think yesterday was a, a pretty much a best case scenario for for the Redskins, all things considered. Yeah, it's hard to argue with, aside from like Bruce Allen walking into an open manhole or something. That was about as good as it could get. Um, I really am trying to figure out though. Like we talked last week, we've talked in the past about what haskins does well what kind of quarterback he is um and i don't feel like i understand that any better now is he just going to be kind of a solid quarterback like a matt ryan type is that what we're hoping for out of him i would be thrilled if he had a matt ryan career i don't know what you mean exactly by matt ryan type well when i think of matt ryan he's he's a good passer he's a good quarterback. He's just kind of good. You know, you wouldn't describe him as like a running quarterback, or I wouldn't think you would describe him as a strong arm quarterback, but he's not exactly a game manager. He's just kind of a, you know, he's the kind of guy where in in Madden, he's got like 84s across all the major quarterback statistics, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I'd be thrilled with that. Like I'd be thrilled with a good NFL quarterback. And Matt Ryan has had a career where like the the Braves, the Falcons have pretty consistently been competitive and had some, pretty high points you know i mean I, matt ryan might have been mvp one year or at least in the in the consideration yeah uh but i would just to have a decade of like solid good quarterback play from the same guy that sounds wonderful sounds good to me too um i'm on board yeah especially i mean look it was a mid first round pick it wasn't like they traded a hall to get him a number one overall or whatever or spent you know incredible capital to get him and then since being a mid first round pick it hasn't been good. Like, you know, there's pro- you know, glimmers of promise here or there, but it hasn't been good. So, you know, if that, if that were the outcome or if that would, were the expectation, even at this point, I, you know, I think that'd be really positive. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm on board with that, and, but I feel like, I feel like it's trending at least in that direction, which is better than if he just every game was looking like those last two or three, because that would be entirely untenable. Was there anything else from this game? I mean, Terry McLaurin, is amazing uh just looks like such a like a legit number one wide out and you know amidst this this horrible redskins season has had a really good wide rookie wide receiver season where he he could get to a thousand yards that's that's very doable uh he might get to 10 touchdowns if he gets lucky um th- those are kind of like miraculous numbers for him yeah no i saw i think it was you tweeting that in this offense especially that's that's immensely um impressive right it's not like michael thomas on the saints you know what i mean like the, the high powered offense tons of targets like he's gonna get and michael thomas is awesome but like you expect that production in this offense i mean a good rookie wide receiver season would be like 400 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah. Oh, I mean, given previous rookie wide receivers, simply showing up and catching the ball is impressive. <laughs> right. I, um, right. I think other things of note, Wes Martin started at guard and I, I don't know if he looked good or bad because I wasn't 
nearly paying close enough attention to that. And I probably wouldn't be able to tell anyway, but I do know that it wasn't one of those times where a new guy comes in and then they spend the entire broadcast showing how he gets run over. So that seems promising. Um, yep. Adrian Good. Peterson, I feel obligated to say something nice about because I find him such a loathsome individual, but uh, he he is undeniably still pretty good at football. So way to go with that, I guess. Um, yeah, no, I think that's most. Oh, Josh Norman getting exposed. Can we, can we uh, further de- <laughs> depressingly? <laughs> yeah, we talked about that. I'm glad you mentioned it. Like it, he, he comes on the field uh, after a number of injuries in the secondary and um, and they literally throw the game-winning touchdown directly at and over him. Um, okay, so he didn't play until that drive or that that specific play. It, it was that drive. I think I think it was that okay. drive. But it was until they lost everybody else. And I heard somebody, probably uh, Mitch on the NBC Sports podcast, uh, but somebody was saying that like when he got up off the bench to come into the game, it was this like just totally not fired up, not motivated, slow stroll, like grudgingly coming into the uh, game. Um, I, I don't know. I mean. And then, and then immediately loses a contested 50-50 ball for the game losing touchdown. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that, I mean, that sums up Josh Norman's career here in Washington, I think. And and then after the game, now I didn't read, I didn't see or hear the the interview, but I read the quotes about, you know, do you still think you're an elite cornerback or whatever? And he's like, I don't think it. Like, I know it. <laughs> you know, there was just, and what, what do you expect him to say? Like, whatever, these guys have to kind of have that mindset. But it was just so jarring given what's happened, what happened in this game and, and you know, leading up to this game for him to be saying shit like that into a microphone. Jamie, do you think you're still an elite DC sports blogger from a posting standpoint? Well, you have to have that mindset. You have to you have to think you're the best if you're ever going to be the best. That's right. And I mean, sure, it's been probably, uh, you know, half a decade since the last regular text posting on Mr. Irrelevant. But, you know, sure. I, I think you're still elite. I think of you that way. You're the- no, I, I mean, look, I know I'm not in my 20s anymore. I know people don't read blogs anymore. But, yeah, I think I can still produce at that level. Yeah, I mean, that's that's just that's how the greats operate. And you and Josh Norman are alike in so many ways. Well, and I also got it like a $77 million deal uh, that I haven't lived up to. Uh, sorry. That's okay. I've never held that against you at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so there was that. There was that storyline. What else? What did we miss? The Urban Meyer thing. Okay, let's so do it. So Urban Meyer's in the what owner's box sitting next to Alex Smith, who he coached at Utah. And he also coached at Ohio State, both Haskins and McLaurin. And he's also not currently employed by a team, at least. Uh, You see him on TV a lot. Um, And he's heavily rumored to be a leading prospect for both the vacant Redskins job and the potentially vacant Cowboys job, among any other fucking job that's out there. So that's whatever. That's the windup. Throat clearing aside. How do you feel about Urban Meyer, potential Redskins head coach? I'm fine with it. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm so, you, you know, my thoughts on it. I've, I've, I've talked about them. I've written them. Uh, None of it matters. um, As long as Snyder owns the team, if the head coach comes in and gets control of personnel for a while and is successful, um, Snyder will step in to be part of that success and will somehow ruin it. I genuinely believe this. I don't think anything really matters. I think Urban Meyer um, would up 
the excitement level. It's certainly the sort of move they would make that would get people to buy back in, get people to pay attention. It seems like it would benefit Haskins. It would benefit McLaurin. Um, the ongoing rumors that Alex Smith is going to be involved in sort of management at some level of the team. Um, this would make sense with that too, but I mean, sure. Why not? I, it certainly doesn't bother me at all. How do you, how do you, how do you react to it? It bothers me. Okay. Why? Well, there's some positives from what you just said and the Haskins McLaurin thing among them. Um, they are two of the Redskins biggest assets, like franchise cornerstone type guys that said, they're not, you know, it's not like we're talking about Pat Mahomes and, you know, JJ Watt here or whatever, you know, they're, Whatever, they're nice pieces. So don't put too much into that. The, what bothers me about Meyer is, I guess, three things. One is the whole, like, college to pro difference. You know, I just think there's a bigger gap making that jump. Um, two is the fact that, like, I just don't want to root for Urban Meyer. He seems like an asshole. There's, you know, stuff from the Ohio State days with his assistants and domestic violence. Like, it just, he just seems like a jackass. And a liar and a little bit too much of the Bruce Allen DNA. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like he'd fit right in. Yeah, right. And then the third thing uh, is, I mean, he'd be top of the market, like years and dollars and power and just, it's just a huge bet. I don't, I don't really, I don't want any of it. Okay, well, I mean, you make a compelling counter argument. uh, And I don't, I don't disagree with you. Like I said, I, I have trouble I don't know. I can't think of the move they would make that I feel like would uh, would genuinely make a difference. So why not this? I also feel like they're going to hire Urban Meyer. They've got uh, Haskins. They've got McLaurin. Um, I feel like they're going to wind up in position and draft Chase Young. And it's going to be like, oh, well, Ohio State's the new <laughs> Alabama, I guess. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, I'm fine if they draft Chase Young. Like, I'm fine with the players. <laughs> like, it, these are good players. I don't have a backup or like a preferred guy for head coach uh, that, you know, I'm just like, you know, stumping for, I just, yeah, I, I don't want Meyer. I, I, I wasn't joking at the top of this podcast. I, I think they could make a compelling argument for keeping the current situation intact. I really do. That's, I mean, it's insanity. That's insanity that you would think that that's a not even likely, but just like a possible outcome here. They kept the status quo intact after last season when that season started okay-ish and then went off the rails. This season started badly. They made a change since making the change. They've showed, uh, you know, steady improvement each week. The players are still playing hard, even in meaningless, stupid football games. Um, uh, I'd, I'd, I think you could sell I the mean, narrative. How could you at least last year you could be like six and three? We were six and three. At least you had that leg to stand on, pun intended. If they if they win out the last two games, just out of here, let's pretend with me. If they win the last two, what are the what's their finishing? What is that? Like, oh, we finished three and three. Yeah. Where nobody gave a shit. Yeah, that's that, that sounds about right. And actually that's wouldn't just, wouldn't they have, wouldn't they have finished like five and four or something? That's a lot like six and three. It this two week. Yeah, I mean, they they could hire a dude like whatever Will Callahan, who is like a coordinator for directional state, and bring him in, and it would be better than going back to Bill Callahan on the strength of like a improving finish. You're you're you haven't factored in the the inevitable round of quotes that I, I guess it'll be maybe after next week's game. 
definitely the week after where they get at least a few players to say, I'd love it if coach Callahan stayed around. I think he's really brought the most out of us. And uh, I would love to see him back here, which of course is what the players have to say. This just is a in case. thing to say. Right. Of course. <laughs> yeah. But those quotes are going to come out and then people are going to start thinking and Snyder's going to read them and Bruce will make sure they're in front of him. And you know, the next thing we, you know, they're tearing another 20,000 seats out of the stadium. Like, I, mean, I just can't see a scenario where they bring Bill Callahan back. Of course, I can see a scenario where they keep Bruce Allen intact. In By the way, uh, I think Grant Paulson tweeted, it's like the 10th anniversary yeah. of Bruce Allen's hire. And yesterday was their 100th loss during that period. So an average of 10 wins per season, or 10, I'm sorry, 10 losses per season over the course of the decade. Well, yeah. I mean, if you want to look at the decade as a whole, sure, that sounds bad. <laughs> yeah, if you want to disregard all of the winning off the field. Yes, I mean, you. I didn't about on-field record. I didn't hear a single Harvest Fest mention in there, uh, Jamie or Grant or whoever. Yeah. Did you see? Uh, I actually. It's funny. By, by, by the way, before you make your point, yeah. it feels it feels worse than. 10 losses per season. Oh, much worse. Worse than that. Vastly worse. Because uh, that's because we're also losing off the field, no matter what anybody says. <laughs> right. Um, I, I don't know if you saw yesterday, I accidentally uh, got into a very, very minor Twitter dispute where um, oh, there's a contingent of Redskins fans who are really um, pushing Nick Sundberg's case as whatever it is, Walter Payton Man of the Year, I believe. And let me okay. state very clearly and for the record that I Nick Sunberg's charity is a good thing. His charity work is a very good thing. I, I know he believes in it. He's been doing it for years. I have nothing critical to say about everything he is doing. That's great. But I responded to these people, and I'm like, it's going to be funny when you guys get Nick Sunberg selected Walter Payton Man of the Year, and Bruce Allen turns around and says, see, the culture is great. We have the Walter Payton Man of the Year on our team. Uh, we just we have good people all the way around. We just had some bad luck off the field, and Snyder keeps him because of this. And people were like, oh, how dare you put together you know, a good thing and uh, try to make a bad thing, a good thing bad, and bring Bruce Allen into this charity work and whatever. And I, I was only half joking. I mean, I think that that's the way these people look at it. And I think that is what they're talking about when they say things like, winning off the field and uh, i don't know i'd keep an eye on that walter payton man of the year race is what i'm saying yeah well you know i i don't i don't want to be guilty of both sidism here but uh you know it sounds like you were being a dick yes <laughs> and, uh, also also i agree i don't want to give Bruce Allen anything to brag about <laughs> I, I i i was i was being a dick but i also wasn't kidding i wasn't being wrong yeah. i'm just i'm, yeah. I'm I'm, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I will be happy if any of this actually happens. Uh, the fact that it hasn't happened yet, at least as we record this, worries me. Uh, you right. also, you heard the follow-on to the Urban Meyer thing, right? That McLaurin came out and said, oh, no, no, no. I just saw that he was at the Army-Navy game up in Philly and invited him to come down and watch me play. Okay, so I, did, I was not aware of that yeah so that's what came out afterwards and of course everybody you know a third of the people think that McLaurin was forced to say that by somebody on the coaching or PR staff uh, a third of the people think that he wasn't forced to say it but that it was you know uh, a convenient I, excuse I mean two-thirds of the people need to chill the fuck out like Urban Meyer is like clear you know obvious uh, at least like you know coaching mill candidate on this on this cycle and the Redskins have an opening and their quarterback is from Ohio State and so is their wide receiver and so is so is their broken down quarterback from Utah uh so yeah whatever it's fun to talk about there's no it's not like it hires imminent or anything like that 
anyway. Yeah, um, until they announce him today at a press conference. Any pop culture thoughts, pop culture corner. I just want to ask because I know the Watchmen wrapped yesterday, wrapped last night. Did they stick the landing? Stuck the landing. Um, it was, the, the finale was among the weaker episodes, but it was a show that in a nine episode run had two all time great episodes of television uh, and maybe four or five amazing episodes of television. It, uh, it was a success. Highest possible recommendation. Even to you, Jamie, even to someone who doesn't care about superheroes, I just thought it was exceptional television. I can't wait to watch it. I'm going to have to steal somebody's HBO login. I, I can't wait for like whatever the, the Game of Thrones spinoff to come back to HBO before I subscribe again to watch this show. Yeah, this is also one where if they release it in some physical format and it comes with the supplemental materials, I would, um, it might even be worth that. I don't know. But uh, what, what even is the physical format? Like, like DVDs, Blu-rays or 4K, 4K DVD set or something. But they, they did a thing. So in the original comic, and I promise not to get too nerdy, but in the original comic, at the end of each issue, they would have some prose content or um, like what was like artifacts from the world, like magazine articles from within the story, that kind of stuff. And it was at the end of each of the 12 issues of the series. So the TV movie or the TV show's version of that was they had a website where they were uploading similar content. Um, and I think something that put together that as physical material. Um, I don't know if you heard, did you hear about the soundtrack thing? No. Okay. So the soundtrack was done by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross um, you know, who work together on God knows how many things at this point, but they have an entire in-universe backstory uh, for the soundtrack and how Reznor was part of a band within the fictional universe and the Nine Inch Nails uh, broke up and they are called the Nine Inch Nails in this version. And there's a whole, so even they released three soundtrack albums or volumes or whatever, and even those contain like elements of the story within them and within the packaging so that they're the idea of a box set collecting all of this sort of disparate material could be very cool wow i i'm glad i grabbed my oxygen tank before i jumped into the deep end with you yeah well we'll wait until if we talk about the mandalorian my thoughts on episode five are similarly uh like wait is episode five when they went to tatooine yeah okay all right. I thought that was the least interesting and, and least whatever. The worst episode yet. 100% agree. Okay. <laughs> okay. Awesome. All right. I thought you were going to go the other way with that. No. Like, kind of like Star Wars nerd fan service vibe. It was, throughout. It was, yeah, it was, it was done incredibly poorly. So the writer and director on that one was a guy named Dave Filoni. Are you familiar with him? I, I, I'm, I'm familiar with him. Yes. As like a, a guardian of the, of the universe. Right. And it appears that he has like George Lucas's uh, skill with actors and with um, dialogue. I mean, that, that episode was <laughs> so catastrophically bad. Um, I, I, and people seem to like it, which was just baffling to me. It was, it was really bad. Okay, so here's here's how good Mandalorian is. Is that even at what I thought was its worst episode of the, of the run to date, uh, when it was over, I was like, "That's it, it's over." Yes. Like I, I still wanted more, even when it was done. I still wanted more, and I was still looking forward to the next chapter. Watched it as soon as I could. I'm still consuming like podcast content around this show. I mean, that it's definitely like wearing the crown of of like my favorite current program i thought the i thought the sixth episode was great i thought it was the best episode of the season yeah that i mean it was it was awesome can i ask you which spot have you was the was the uh lighting all fucked up on that episode like during the, like the whole prison break whatever 
extended action sequence whenever there was like the dark like red lit uh my screen was like was just really bad and i'm not sure if that was for everyone or just me no mine was handling that okay now the episode prior um when they had like the night time hand-to-hand combat in the dark in the desert that was back oh, to yeah. like game of thrones levels of just incomprehensibility it was like a like gray pixelating blobs fighting so this goes to like i i i have direct tv and i watch most everything uh through direct tv or netflix yeah anyway disney plus is just like still very glitchy for me Interesting. i'm not having a good disney plus experience so far I am um, ours free and I love the Mandalorian. So whatever ours is okay. And it, we, it actually comes through at least Mandalorian does in HDR or whatever it's called the 4k, whatever. So like it usually looks pretty crisp. I thought the latest episode looked really good. Actually it was, ah. I thought it was the first one that had actually any visual flair to speak of I, I, that, that, that fifth episode, it started with that sort of really janky looking space battle, uh, mm-hmm. the, the dog fight. And right. Right. I was like, Oh my God. Like I, this, if it keeps up like this, I don't know that I'm going to be able to watch this show. I, I yeah. thought that was really just, I couldn't believe they put it out under the official star Wars banner. I thought it was really bad. <laughs> I love it. I love how I'm, like my response to a bad episode of this show or even a bad scene is just like a shrug, not even like a, a, an exaggerated shrug. <laughs> Yours is like flame throwing. So yeah, I mean, that's, I'm, it's, I, we're doing a podcast, man. I gotta, yeah. I gotta have hot takes. I, Told that's what that's what moves the needle on these things. All twenty six of our listeners are gonna really love that fiery, fiery attitude. You know, would be hilarious is if you like drop Stephen A. Smith in on our podcast just to have like a little chat. <laughs> you know, like, I, I read Drew McGarry's profile on Stephen A. in GQ, which is like a fifty minute read. Yeah, it looked incredibly long. It was yeah, and it was entertaining throughout, and just like the experience of interacting with Stephen A. Smith sounds very intense. I, and it would be funny to drop someone like that into our little pod stew. Well, I, I, I so I want to actually want to hear more about that piece because I looked at it. I like Drew's writing. I generally, I think he does a good job, even with some subjects that I didn't think would interest me. But I find Stephen A. Smith so singularly uninteresting that I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Is it worth reading? Well, I, I found it in, most interesting when it got into some of like Stephen A. Smith's sort of like problematic past, which I haven't been paying close enough attention to. Like just he has said it's a you know pretty retrograde, you know, and like it's it seems like if, for those who pay attention to him uh, that he is more of like a conservative centrist, maybe on social issues and that's come through in his commentary which i don't really pay that much attention to uh but it was interesting to see drew kind of confront him with that stuff you know and Stephen a's reaction to it which was more or less to like either shut it down or divert and it just sounded like an uncomfortable conversation which always makes for a compelling story true that's about the best thing you could have said to get me to read it other than it does drew get him to discuss either crab rangoon or the holocaust no, no, and I'm not even sure if I'm familiar with these issues. Oh, no, I mean, as they pertain to Stephen A. Smith, it's, it's, it's two of the all-time great tweets. I think the the crab rangoon is uh, a David Roth tweet about Stephen A. Smith ordering food at P.F. Chang's, um, and the the Holocaust one. I don't remember who it is. It's one of those you know people who tweets funny things, and it's uh, it's the basic setup is him saying you know obviously the Holocaust is bad. 
And Skip Bayless is going, yeah, okay. And it's a real terrible thing. However, and then that's the end of the tweet. But like, I, um, so I didn't know if Drew brought either of those things up with him. It seemed, it seemed like an no, obvious shot. No, I don't think Crab Rangoon or the Holocaust came up. Uh, but yeah, maybe if it was a 72 minute story. Maybe there were outtakes. It seems like a shoddy interviewing job not to bring up the Holocaust in every, at every opportunity. <laughs> right. Um, this is GQ, after all. <laughs> after all. Noted publication of record on Holocaust studies. Yeah, um, yeah I, don't, I don't know. I, I, was, I was tempted. Maybe I'll go back and read it now. Uh, it just looked so long. Uh, and Stephen A. Smith is on there. I have this list of people that I just I don't understand why people give them attention, even to like dunk on them or hate them. It would be like Darren Ravel, uh, Stephen A. Smith, uh, 86% of political Twitter. Um, I just, I, I don't get it. Like, just don't well, give these people oxygen. Well, I was going to say the two or three times I can remember like noticing or caring about something specific with Stephen A. Smith was one when he had like the viral uh, kind of like commentary on Lamar Odom doing something. And he's like, Lamar Odom was on crack. <laughs> like he kept kind of emphasizing crack. Uh, that, that was funny. And then there's been a couple times where he has like been very adamant about something and like mentioning a player to support his argument who was like no longer even with the team. You know, like, you know, the key to the Chargers 2019 season is Hunter Henry and like Hunter Henry broke his leg or whatever, you know, like, and that's interesting to me because he has to always be on and always have an opinion and always, you know, come with a take on so many different issues that it's inevitable that that would happen on live TV. But it's also deeply embarrassing. So I, I don't know. I'd kind of want him to hear what he has to say about that. So I've, I've looked while you were talking and just to make it clear, the uh, Holocaust tweet is from 2014 from at Hegelbon, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. And the David Roth tweet, I was correct. The Crab Rangoon tweet is David Roth from 2012. So um, boy, Twitter sure has been around for a while, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, at least you're still operating within this decade. It really freaks me out when stuff that I thought happened like a couple of years ago was like 2008. Yeah, no, that that is strange. And I was I, I got a weird time thing actually with McGarry today. McGarry was tweeting about how oh, you know Top Gun, um, you know the the kids today who don't remember the movie are really going to be really excited for this sequel. And I did was running the numbers and realized that actually there are people whose parents weren't even born when Top Gun came out the first time who are probably watching the trailer. Uh, it's been a really long time. We are old. The end. Yeah. All right. Oh, last thing. Uh, guess the line. Redskins, Giants next week. Um, have you seen the line? I have not. Okay. This, I have, and I just need you to guess the line. Okay. Where, where are we playing this game? I, I, I don't know. Okay, cool. Um, then I'll give the Giants three points for home field advantage, regardless of where it is. And, <laughs> and do we know, is Eli playing or is Daniel Jones playing? Uh, well, Eli's got to play, right? I mean, he won last week. Uh, the game is in New York, just FYI. Okay. Then I'll give the Giants an extra point. Oh, no, 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 no. The game is at FedEx. Right? Okay, cool. Is- All right. Uh, God, I don't know. This could, this one could actually be close. Um, Giants by three. The Redskins are favored. No, no, by two and a half. No, come on. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand it. I I don't know how it's possible. And, but... that, and that means on a neutral field, the Giant, the Redskins would be favored by five. 
God, that's amazing. Yeah. I, hold on. I, I, I saw this twice that they were favored by two and a half. And I'm, I don't believe it either. And I'm looking it up again just to check myself. Because um, I don't understand. I, the, the Giants just won on Sunday. The Redskins just lost their like 18th straight game. Yeah, that is that is honestly staggering. <laughs> who's, who's counting? But um, hold on one second. Yeah, the Redskins minus two and a half. Wow. Well, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how you can get rid of Callahan when he's brought this team all the way around to being favored after that stretch. I mean, gosh, the Giants beat the Redskins twenty-four to three earlier this season. Well, I mean, clearly the Redskins have gotten 27 points better than they were in that game. I don't, I really don't understand how this could be anything like more in the Redskins' favor than a pick em. Like, at best. I know the Giants suck too, but I don't, the Redskins favored? Anyway. I, um, I, I now I, I want to actually go place a bet. Like that seems. <laughs> I, I know this is the biggest cliche on any gambling podcast, but it sure seems like they're giving away free money, man. <laughs> you're like, you're like, wait a minute. I could, I could win money if the Redskins just lose. <laughs> it's like it's the easiest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's like falling down and hitting the ground. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll come back next week when we're counting our stacks. Looking forward to it, man. All right, buddy. See you. Bye.